Hi, everyone. This is Catherine Adams. And Elizabeth Wallace. And you're listening to Binary System Podcast number 128. And tonight we're recapping Welcome to Night Vale number 128, A Matter of Blood Part 2. I know it's ridiculous that that just tickles me so much, but I'm like, oh, the numbers match. And it's the only time that's going to happen because it'll only take like one week and then suddenly we'll be off. And unless we take a bunch of weeks off, we won't ever get matched up again. Although it's kind of like... It's kind of like when you see those announcements, like today's the only day that it will ever be, you know, May 1st, night. It's just those really ridiculous things. I'm like, why am I being asked to feel pathos over numbers? Come on now. Yes, I know. I love that one comedian who was like, every date is the only date that this date is going to happen. That's how time works. <laughs> anyway, so we're going to recap this episode and spoil the hell out of it. So you may want to listen to it first. But we're actually like right there before the blood matter from space happens. And that's a big, not annual event. I mean, how often does it happen? Every few hundred years or something? I'm not even sure. Cecil talked about how the astronomers said this is going to be a really incredible event. And then suddenly you hear him go, that's what the astronomer said. <laughs> yeah, that's how they announced that this is going to be a big year. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. So apparently, um, and then Cecil had said something like, you know, you'll just have to bring a potluck to show up at the party because, of course, you're invited. And I'm like, I don't know. Last week you said a potluck and galoshes because you're going to need them. So keep that in mind. Yep. But you do have to make sure that you keep indoors when the blood matter happens because apparently being outdoors when it's going on would be bad. Yeah. And um, But everybody who's at the party already seems to be having a good time. I mean, Pamela Winchell's there with her veggie sushi and her emergency broadcast equipment. And I think Susan showed up with store-bought cookies and Cecil's not very happy with that. Well, yeah, it was because she was throwing some shade at Steve Carlsberg's scones and Cecil's like, come on. I mean, I know that they're a little dry and they could maybe use like a tablespoon or three less salt. I'm like, mmm, boy, that's mm. a, like a salt like scone there. But, <laughs> but anyway, it's so cool to hear Cecil jumping to Steve's defense. It really is. It's very sweet. And it's... Sorry, car. (laughs) Everybody drink. drink. It's... It's so funny how that kind of turned around, and we really don't even have any mention of the time back when it was all Steve Carlsberg. You know, now he really does love his brother-in-law, so that's very sweet. So um, Cecil mentioned that Dana, Mayor Cardinal, is still in hiding because there's a double of Dana that's going around murdering people. So now Dana has to hide out both from her and from the secret police who want to arrest her for murder because, you know, I guess that's kind of a tricky defense to say, no, no, it was my evil double. I mean, you and I know that would never work. No, it really wouldn't. It would absolutely <laughs> not. It's like, that's a nice story, but we're just going to go ahead and take you in for safekeeping just to be on the safe side. But she's talking about how she's hiding out. We, of course, hear Dana at this point, and that she's hiding out at a very secret special friend host place and it actually sort of solved a long-standing dispute that her host family had been having at the house. Right, because there had been some dispute about whether or not the spare bedroom was going to be turned into a home laboratory or a home broadcasting studio. I'm like, ah, okay, har. Yeah, We know where Dana's hiding out. Yes, we do. You only have to pay attention a little bit to figure that one out. But for the first time though, or actually, did we hear other Dana talk last week? I, I don't think we did. I don't know that we did. I would have to go back and re-listen to the uh, podcast, but we definitely hear her now. Yeah, and we don't know necessarily, or at least we kind of find out by the end of the episode, 
she is definitely a different Dana, and she's a Dana from another world, and she's a way harder, way scarier person. But she doesn't necessarily have to have come from Kevin's world. Right. Yeah, that's a little bit more complicated. But, oh boy. So after jumping back and forth between the party and talking about Dana, and then Dana suddenly gets a call, and she has to go. And then you hear from the double Dana, and, okay, well, the double Dana is holding Dana's mother and brother hostage, and she's cut off her mother's pinky finger, and she's talking about how, oh, she's just standing there going, why and why and why? You hardly would have used that pinky at all. Yeah, she's really, really creepy. So while all that's going on, we go back to Cecil at the party, where it's pretty loud and crazy because, like, Pamela Winchell's gotten into the eggnog, and am I the only person who thinks that eggnog does not need to just be around Christmas. I think so, especially homemade eggnog, which I'm afraid to say I've never had, but it sounds like it's much tastier than the um, the stuff you get in the carton. I don't know. The stuff in the carton's pretty good, and the stuff in the carton makes me a little less worried about salmonella, but <laughs> anyway, so Pamela's into that being very loud, and Cecil is hearing there there is a situation going on with the other Dana, so he takes us off to the weather. Yeah, and while the weather was going on... No, wait, uh, sorry. What was the name of the weather in the band? Lemonade in the Shade by Jeff Scroggins and Colorado. Okay, so it's this wonderful instrumental. It's like, it's a country tune, but you've got the violin and the mandolin, and sometimes it edges a little bit towards Celtic, but never quite gets there. So I really liked it, but I'm listening to it the whole time, and I'm thinking, this sounds like Nickel Creek. I bet you one of the members of the Nickel Creek band is in this band. No, it isn't. Oh, okay. Yeah, I have the listing of the people who are in Colorado, and it's Jeff Scroggins, Tristan Scroggins, Greg Blake, and Ellie Hackinson. And I guess none of those names sound like anybody in Nickel Creek. It's Chris Thile, I think, Sarah Watkins, and Sean Watkins, or Seen Watkins. However, we're pronouncing that now. <laughs> yep, not one single bit of overlap on that one. So, I don't know. I did. I really liked it. It's it's pretty country in its kind of folkness and everything, but it's that really really intricate kind of. I'm assuming it was guitar. There's definitely a banjo playing at one point, but that really really precise kind of notes that I like so much. Totally instrumental, not one bit of vocals. I don't know why you and I like that so much better than the vocals. I don't know, but I think with country music, and I don't know that I hear a ton of like, you know, country band instrumentals. Most of the time it is going to be centered around a vocalist. And I guess a lot of times having a vocalist will really push it into that country twang thing and that overly sentimental lyrics and just, no, let's, let's keep it with the instrumental. I like that. Yeah, it was very nice. So we come back from the weather and we're hearing from the other Dana, as I'm calling her, and she's saying, you know, here is, here's my burden that I have to deal with. I'm Dana just as much as the other Dana is. And, you know, we've, we've grown up in different other worlds, but there is nothing unnatural about this. This is just what happens. Now, what's unnatural is the fact that because of some happenstance, whatever, during that sandstorm, another Dana came over to this Dana's world and this Dana killed the double or the double killed Dana and then decided to take her place in the world. I'm not even sure what happened, but killing your double is bad, is really, really bad. And now this Dana, this new Dana, 
coming over from Netherworld is going to make things right. She's going to have justice. And she, and I, this caught my attention when she said, I and the other Danas discuss this. I'm like, really? I mean, like lots of other Danas? Damn. Yes. That was the thing we found out in this episode, that that's why she's not necessarily from Kevin's world, because there's Danas all over the place. And you can feel it when someone kills one of them. And so they ended up picking this Dana to come over and bring our Dana to justice, because this Dana's way harder and a lot tougher than the other one. So she's pretty scary. Yeah. And she also says, you don't think I envy this Dana and her family and her compassion for living things? So it's not like a hard edged evil good sort of thing although i think this dana with cutting off her mother's finger is pretty damn evil yeah that's that's pretty that's pretty rough right there but we hear from our dana and just before she goes because other dana called her to let her know that this was going on and so she has to go and save her mom and her brother but before she left she says i have finalized the transfers of power to the mayoral's office so this is what she's been working on all episode is that all the powers of the sheriff's secret police and the vague yet menacing government agency all of that power is going to the mayor's office and so far the only thing she's used it for is she kind of streamlined some city services and she stopped a couple doomsday cults because we've got a lot of cults in nightvale who knew yeah she started about stopped about nine of them i think which wow for nightvale that could be a light day but I thought it was interesting that she was really really specifically telling us I have finalized this transfer of power to the mayor's office and I'm like oh I think that means that it's the mayor's office not necessarily her it just whoever happens to be holding the position of mayor hmm so yeah so all surveillance and enforcement powers are now with the mayor's office does that mean maybe city council could take over all of that i was actually thinking it would be other dana like you get somebody like with all the powers of dana's office but none of the compassion and she can do anything she wants i'm like that's not going to be good that's possibly not thinking ahead there dana so from there we go over to cecil at the party who is recording from a closet because it's much quieter in there but like keep it down and what did he say actually i don't remember what he said from the closet that he received word that dana had finalized the transfer of powers to the mayor's office so this isn't yeah. going to be some secret thing this is something that you know cecil's been able to tell everybody and by the way cecil pretty much gave away that it was dana who was staying in their spare bedroom during yes this. why does anyone trust cecil with secrets i have no idea he can't keep a secret to save his life or anybody else's life apparently but he was going to say a little bit more, but we hear this sound of kind of rain coming in. And he's like, the, the blood matter from space, it started, it's here. And it got louder and louder and louder. And then it stopped. Silence. End of episode. We're done. Uh, yeah. And it sounded like some sort of liquid thing pattering on the windows. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. And station management is outside with their mouths open. So that's so gross. So <laughs> he said that he wasn't aware that station management ate anything. I'm like... Did city council feed station management rats, or was it the other way around? Might have been the other way around. I can't remember. I can't either. Yeah. And that was it. That was the end of the episode. And we only had one commercial this week, and that was for Conversations with People Who Hate Me, which I've not listened to because I, I just... 
I don't know. I mean, I know you told me that it wasn't nearly as confrontational as you were worried about, but I, I can't even listen to it if I think there even might be a little bit of confrontation. Right. Yeah. And it's definitely not a, you don't get any how dare you moments of getting someone getting cold called by somebody that they left an angry comment to. No, it's all arranged ahead of time. And yeah, I think it would definitely be more appealing to me than to you because a lot of this is about comment sections and I do find that that's a really good way of finding out what arguments work and what ones don't and what sort of counter arguments there are out there. So yeah, and I've, I've listened to a few episodes. I think the title is a little bit more drama than it deserves because a lot of times the people who are calling aren't it's not that they hate him so then it seems like he can end the episode by saying oh but you don't hate me and like yeah let's just kind of tone down that drama right there but it's true i don't have a problem with anything that's trying to teach people that this culture we've got where we just throw this poison and bile out on the internet because it's all faceless and it's just if people would just stop for one second and think that this offhand comment that you're tossing out there is really hurting somebody's feelings i mean i i think that's a good lesson to try and teach people. I just think that the people who most need to learn that are never going to listen to this podcast. I just don't think so. And unfortunately, that goes right back to the echo chamber. And yeah, I think think, uh, it was on a Lost in Sci-Fi podcast at one point where you and Leland agreed that we don't have news anymore. We have opinions. We really do. Yeah. And unfortunately, the whole like fake news and the hatred of the media at this point, I work for a media organization and I don't think we're evil. But you know, I do. I do believe I've never experience before they always talked about the liberal bias of the media yeah it's definitely a thing (laughs) it really really (laughs) is i just i have less of a problem with it because i'm on that side of the spectrum so i'm like well yeah it's biased because it's right and i'm like that's not very fair (laughs) i have started noticing i will see an article that is very obviously slanted toward the liberal side and you know Okay, think progress. Yeah, that's going to be slanted liberal. Huffington Post? That's Huffington Post is super liberal, yeah. I did, never thought that CNN was all that liberal slanted, but every once in a while I'll see something. I'm like, oh, come on, guys, you're ruining your credibility right there. Yeah, that's, that's what I have a problem with. I mean, it's like way past the days of Walter Cronkite where you went to the news to hear the news. Now you go to places to hear the news the way you want it to be said. Right. So that's kind of... Uh, you know, and I can't, obviously, I think Fox News is like fake news and all that kind of stuff. But I mean, they're just kind of on the opposite end of the spectrum from the news sources that I listen to. So yeah, it's it's a pretty bad situation. Yeah. But, so, mm. but on lighter news, I finally listened to the first episode of the podcast pounded in the butt by my own <laughs> podcast. <laughs> and? Okay. Yeah, it's ridiculous, but it is ridiculous on purpose. I mean, if you... Anyone out there listening has never experienced anything by Chuck Tingle, just check out his Wikipedia page. I mean, he has written hundreds of these stories, and they're all hardcore porn, and they're all deliberately ridiculous. I mean, okay, so, you know, the first podcast is a reading of his book, Pounded in the Butt by My Own Butt. So... You go and you look at his list of stories, and he's just like, you know, all of these, you know, hardcore porn stories. And then there's a title, Pounded in the Butt by My Book, Pounded in the Butt by My Own Butt. And then it keeps going, Pounded in the Butt by My Book, Pounded in the Butt by My Book, Pounded in the Butt by My Book. (laughs) And it doesn't stop. (laughs) He is, yeah, he's seriously ridiculous. But didn't you say that 
Cecil actually read the episode aloud that you listened to? Cecil Baldwin read the first episode and he was reading it obviously to a group of people. Uh, I'm, I don't know if it was like an audience or just a group of people in the Night Vale podcast, whatever, but they all have to stop every once in a while and laugh because it's just a, but it's just, it's not bad fiction is the thing. I mean, it's not for me. <laughs> and it's really silly. But yeah, I mean, it just, it's the tone that he takes, you know, he's right on point with some of the humor. And you know, the story opens up with the main character talking about working as a scientist in a cloning lab, and they're getting around the loophole against human cloning by only cloning themselves. And they are currently working on a clone that is made out of cells from the main character's brain, uh, and his butt and a hawk. Because why not? <laughs> why not? That's, of course, one of the first points where everybody just stops laughing because it's just thrown out there. It's like, sure, why the fuck not? A, a hawk. Yeah, that'll work. And <laughs> and then, of course, it's really hardcore gay porn. Right. But at the same time, you know, it just talks in the ending. It's all about, you know, the fear of making a commitment versus the joy when somebody that you really, really like decides to take a chance on you. So it has a happy... Uh, ending <laughs> yeah, in more than one sense of the word <laughs> exactly so i don't know that i'm specifically going to be seeking out this podcast unless i see you know an actor that i think oh my god that would be hilarious to hear him read something like this but yeah if you guys want to check it out just be warned it's it's pretty silly right and then of course it's got chuck tingle's voice at the beginning and the end and you got to power through I, that I don't think it's Chuck Tingle because I was oh, reading really? the Wikipedia page and Chuck Tingle is apparently like, there's not a lot known about him or maybe this is like a persona that's been put on, you know, mysterious, whatever. But yeah, I don't think that was actually Chuck Tingle's voice. I'm still not sure why they're making it so annoying because it's exactly as annoying in the intro and the ending of this uh, particular podcast that I listened to as it is in the trailer. Oh God, I wish, yeah. Okay, I'm, I'm sure like, like you said, that's probably the deliberate choice. Fine. So what I was going to talk about uh, in the nerd world that I got to do, not this last week, but the week before that we totally forgot to talk about, I got to do one of those escape room things with Leland from the Lost in Sci-Fi podcast and several of his friends who are all very, very cool people. It was it was really, very fun. Now, is that at all scary, the escape room thing? Not even slightly. Oh, cool. <laughs> not even a little bit. Yeah, I know. <laughs> So we started, we all got like drinks and dinner at this one restaurant. Is that in my area? (laughs) Hi, hi, car horn. Everybody drink. So we got drinks and dinner and then we go to the escape room and this was a medium level one and it was a voodoo theme. And you just, you know, you get brought into the room and they are very specifically no phones whatsoever. Because, of course, you could use your phone to look stuff up. Also, I guess they don't want you filming anything while you're in there because it'll give away the secret. But the whole idea is just just a room full of puzzles that you don't even know what are puzzles and what are objects in the room. And you just kind of have to figure things out. Sometimes you get a little bit of a hint, like there was a set of scales on a table and then there was a padlock and the padlock had a little sign on it that said lock equals scales. 
and there were these little weights around, but we were like, I don't know, do we have to balance the weights out and that's what it is? And we were trying different numbers and everything. And there were bottles around the room that had little like grams written on them. And we're like, oh, does, do we have to like weigh the bottles with the weights? And that's what the number is. And then somebody, not me, I wish it was me, somebody figured out, they're like, hey, one of these bottles, the number of the grams is scratched out. So we had to use the weights to figure out how much the bottle was. And that was the combination to get the drawer open. So it's a lot of stuff like that. Wow. Okay. Yeah. 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 But it was like, there were these turtles that we found in various places that we had to fit in areas. And they actually were the numbers for these buttons that we had to hit on the wall in a certain sequence to open up this door. And it was just two rooms. It was really hilarious because they're watching us on closed circuit TV and we can ask for hints if we want. We did end up asking for one hint because we couldn't figure out this one thing with arrows. But the thing I think is funny is in the second room, there's this big cabinet and there were some bottles behind a glass door that were facing away from us. And we knew we needed the numbers on those bottles to figure out this other combination, but we had to get the door open. Well, there's keyholes on them. But as it turns out, those keyholes are either just built into the cabinet or deliberately misleading us because the way to open the door was to figure this other puzzle and a, a magnetic lock would release the thing. But we were all like all doing things, all trying to figure things out. I'm there with the keys. We had this huge ring of keys that we had found in another area of the room for a different puzzle. And I was like bound to determine to make one of those fucking keys work in that door. I'm like, <laughs> one of these will fit. I swear none of them fit. And they must have been looking through that camera being like, man, that chick will not quit it with the keys. <laughs> we did finally. And... The only thing, my only complaint about the whole thing, everything was great. There was a voodoo doll on the wall and the things that we were solving were to like release little pegs so that we could get the chains off the voodoo doll and get the voodoo doll off the wall. That was the final puzzle. And I'm not going to tell you what the other, you know, things were that we had to figure out because you have to go in there and figure it out for yourself. But you should know that if you get that voodoo doll off the wall, that's the game. That's your, And we were all like, hey, the voodoo doll's off the wall. What happens now? Is there another door? And the organizers appear behind us. Oh, yay, you figured it out. Woo! And we're like, oh, that was that was a little anticlimactic. Just a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds like a heck of a lot of fun. I have to check and see if they have any of those in North Carolina yet. Yeah, and I think the way we did it is a good way because they have like a maximum number of people to be in the room for you know, reserve times and whatever. I think you really want to try and make sure that you reserve the maximum number of people because that way you're in the room with only people that you know. Because if you've got like, you know, four people, maybe another four people will get the same time and you'll be solving the puzzle. And yeah, it would be a good way to make friends and connect with people. Yeah. I think a lot of times you want to do it with your own friends. So right. I would and I, I would just be worried about getting snippy with somebody or somebody getting snippy with me that I didn't know. It's like, no, no, stand back. I've got this. Yeah. <laughs> I paid my money too, damn it. Yeah, seriously. But I think but there's so much stuff going on that everybody was doing their own thing because there were so many puzzles to figure out that it's... Everybody has a chance to contribute. And I felt like there were enough things that I kind of helped on that I didn't feel like complete and total dead weight. So that's <laughs> probably pretty good. But anyway, then we went from there to that speakeasy that you and I went to on our birthday. And that was very fun, too. Oh, awesome. And was that where you posted that Instagram video of the little absinthe dipper thingy? Or Yeah, it was like, I guess sometimes the absinthe is like, I don't know, the, the sugar cube on fire or something. I don't know. But at the place we went to, they have like five different 
comrades of absinthe. And sometimes they'll do that thing with a sugar cube and fire or something. But they don't do it on Friday nights because it's so busy and packed and that's time consuming and probably dangerous. But they do have one where they, they put this little thing on top of your cup and pour the absinthe into this little funnel on top. And then there's one of those little teeter-totter fountains underneath it that just sort of drops it into your cup. I have no idea why they did that because she was explaining it to us while I was getting my phone ready because Leland and I both ordered it. And she pours it in there and it's doing its little thing and I'm filming and I look at Leland and I'm like, this is cool. Why do we do it this way? He said, oh, I thought you were listening. And I was like, no, okay. I wasn't. Well, just from, you know, reading Poppy Z. Bright and getting kind of interested in absinthe and looking things up, I think the stuff they put in your glass, the bright green liquor is the absinthe. And then the stuff in the little teeter-totter thing on the top is ice water. Uh. Because absinthe turns cloudy when you add water to it. So, and that's uh, that's what happens there. And there's like, I think most of the time they'll have like a, a little slotted spoon with a sugar cube on top of it. So the sugar cube dissolves as the water drops on top of it. That must have been it. She did say that this brand that Leland and I had picked out she thought it was better without the sugar, which was good because they weren't going to do the sugar cube thing tonight. So, um, and it was, yeah, it was just really fun to watch. I'm glad I got a video. It tastes pretty revolting, though. Yes, you and I have never been licorice fans, and that's the thing that's kept me from actually paying money for absinthe at some point, even though I love the whole steampunk, neo-Victorian thing, and absinthe fits along in with that. But I'm like, mm, licorice? Nah, I'll pass. I could do a shot of it. And another time when Leah and I had gone to this place in Old Town, San Diego, the sort of the Mexican touristy area of San Diego, we'd actually ordered absinthe margaritas. And I remember that evening thinking that was a lot of licorice for me, but that was tempered out with some tequila. This was straight absinthe and it was really powerful. I did drink it though. And I also finished Leland's because I'm like, <laughs> we paid for this and it is alcohol. So I am going to drink it but yeah it's a little little much for me but that's okay it was a fun experience yeah, that's cool i'm glad that it's legal here now i think it's only been in the last few years that you've actually been able to get absinthe because it was illegal for a really long time wasn't it because it was actually poisonous before i mean i don't think it's poisonous anymore um god i think hannah had a book on absinthe that i looked through at one point and, and one of the reasons why i looked at it was because it had the poppy z bright short story in it that got me interested in poppy z bright in the first place where the hell was I going with that story? Oh, yes. Um, one of the reasons why it was banned was because apparently there was this person, like, turn of the century who murdered his family. And, you know, there was this whole thing at the trial about apparently he had absinthe and the wormwood and absinthe makes you go crazy. Well, I think basically that the guy had had like 15 other different types of alcohol on the same oh. night. So it's one of those things that's like, well, I'm not surprised he was out of his mind. I'm surprised he was still standing, though. Yeah, I don't, you know, I had always assumed that after it became legal, I don't know, <laughs> said this idea like, is it mildly hallucinogenic? It isn't. It really isn't. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just remembering one of my coworkers, uh, Liz, hysterical story about flying somewhere and actually having those oxygen masks uh, deploy at one point. And oh. she was a little shocked because she thought that basically meant you were going to die, that the plane right. was plummeting towards the ground. But no, it was something went wrong, I think, with the pressurization. So the oxygen masks had to deploy. And she was just thinking, of course, about 
Fight Club and the fact that, you know, oxygen, it's supposed to be pure oxygen, which will get you high so that you're in a kind of stoned state so that you're not panicking and running up and down the aisles. And she was kind of like, oh, I really want to try this. And she tried it and she was like, it's not true. It's just air. <laughs> I was wondering about that. And okay, similar note. So the terrible incident on with the Southwest plane where they had an engine explode and I know a woman died on the plane and everything and I know oxygen masks came down and it's just a sign of the current times that everybody is like taking selfies of themselves with the oxygen masks on. I'm like, really? You're, you're potentially going to die and you're going to take a selfie now? But okay, fine. My thing was every single one of them in the pictures that I saw, had the cone just over their mouth and not over their nose. I'm like, do you not listen to the instructions? You're supposed to put it over your mouth? I could. I was like, you have just demonstrated to the entire world that you did not follow the instructions with your selfie. How but are anyway. we supposed to count on you to survive this now? <laughs> Seriously, I'm like, oh, fine, document that for the world. I'm sure a lot of people waited on that. I didn't because it's just such a terrifying idea. I'm like, oh God, I don't need to have any other reason to get little freaked out when there's turbulence on planes. <laughs> so I guess on that note, that's going to wrap us up for the week. So make sure to check out pixelatedgeek.com for all the book reviews, the comic book reviews, the movie reviews, the photo galleries, the PR stories that come out. It's, wow, can you believe it's only a couple more months until Comic-Con? That's weird, isn't it? Oh, so is Comic-Con season pretty much gotten started now convention season or mm, convention season has because i hear about all the other conventions that are going on in other areas but i haven't started the tidal wave of pr stories coming into my inbox which is the true sign that comic-con season has started for me and that hasn't started yet but right. look out for all of those little announcements to come in on the site but I guess next week will probably be an Alice is in Dead episode, or possibly we'll do our conversation about Black Mirror with Hannah. I don't know. Are we trying to get both of us to finish up watching the series before we have the conversation? What are we doing with this? I don't know. I think we may end up having to do these conversations in installments because there have been 19 episodes so far, and that's going to yeah. take me as brutal as these episodes can get. That may take me a little while to struggle my way through all of them. I've only watched five, no, six of them now. So I still have, uh, I'm just about to start White Christmas. Yeah, I'm really interested in what you think about that one. Be interesting. I'm yeah. trepidation uh, here. Yeah, I just finished watching an episode last night that was fine. It's one with bees. If you see that one, it's, it's a good episode, but sometimes I have trouble finding a good ending for some of these episodes, I've noticed. And then I got to the next episode, and it's the Star Trek one. I'm like, all right, I'm gonna, it's like... 12.15 at night. I'm not going to watch this one now. So I've heard a bunch of people say the Star Trek one's very good. I'm pretty sure that one either won or was no at least nominated for a Hugo Award. It's probably the one that was nominated because I think it's in the final season. Mm. <gasps> Looking forward to yeah. that one. Looking forward to one that's not dark. Yeah. There is one called San Pedro, San something and everywhere. That's another one I'm curious to Thing. Well, Hannah really liked that one too and I'm, I'm curious as to what you think about it but anyway that's all we're going to talk about it because we don't want to give out spoilers and we want to have a big conversation with Hannah so we will get all of that sorted out and then one way or the other we will talk to everybody in one week talk to y'all later